Hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the podcast. We have an incredible guest with us. And as I sit in the foyer of the Baseball Hall of Fame recording this podcast, we have potentially, before getting ahead of myself, of course, a future Hall of Fame broadcaster in Matt Freer. Matt, thank you for joining us. And Dan, let's kick things off with Matt here. I know as a, as a room full of broadcasters here, this is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, Lucas, this is this is always my favorite guest each time. If there's one thing I, I am a nerd at, I mean, there's two things. There's Lord of the Rings. I love the Lord of the Rings. I'll read it for days. But it's it's broadcasting, and, it, and it's this art form that most don't realize how much of an art form it is. To, to find your call, to find your voice, to create your brand, to understand how to poetically put in front of viewers at home and across the world from all different backgrounds and, and, and all different understandings of the game, how to put in front of them a broadcast that is not just entertaining, but informative. We are here with a man who does it, as, as it was once said by Jim Nance, better than most. Matt Freer, Matt of the formerly with the Columbus Mavericks, makes the move to the Metro Jets. This is your race car aficionado. This is a guy that can call snowmobiling. He can do it all. Matt, it's an honor to have you on. How are you doing? Gentlemen, I appreciate it. It's such an honor and a privilege to have you guys ask me on the show. I'm a, I'm, I listen to every one of them. And I uh, always wondered, man, I'd love to be on, on the Dan K Show podcast. And Well, here I am. And uh, guys, I certainly appreciate it. Hey, we're going to be testing you out today. We're going to be kind of understanding. I know you've been at Metro Jets camp getting this season underway. You've been, you've been kind of watching the squad, watching what they're doing. One of the organizations that just do it so well. I mean, they, they operate the Metro Jets. They operate the Metro Jets development program. Even last year, they stepped in and operated a third program when it was needed during a tough time throughout COVID-19 Coach Quenville, the whole crew there, Tina Sorallo. I mean, you, you look at it from top to bottom. Matt, how much of an honor was it when they when they give you the call and they tell you you're going to be on the call for the Jets program? Well, first and foremost, I do got to um, – before we get going on the Metro Jets, I do want to say a, a big, huge thank you to uh, Joe Gillespie and Joey Rechtenwall with and Ben Peach with the Columbus Mavericks. Um, without them, guys – I wouldn't have this opportunity. There's no question about it. Um, I've been in motorsports for, this is my 32nd year in motorsports and I never had, I've always wanted to call hockey. And um, when the Columbus Mavericks be became a team in the USPHL for the 1920 season, they gave me an opportunity. I'd never called a hockey game in my life. And, but I always been around the game being a referee and such. And uh, they gave me the opportunity and I, I can't thank them guys enough. And I wish the Columbus Mavericks the absolute very best of luck here for the 21, 22 season. But yeah, uh, OQ, um, him and I, I, we'd always known each other from, from the broadcast of the, the Mavericks Metro Jets games. And we just started talking. You no, know, I always go down to the teams, try to, you know, make sure I have the uh, correct pronunciations and what have you, and a little bit of tidbit and information from everybody. Um, last year, the Chicago Showcase, uh, Q and I just uh, struck up a conversation, and it kind of evolved from there. Um, it was actually during the broadcast with you guys, uh, with MJDP and the Minnesota Moose during the Chicago Showcase that really kind of cemented the process, I guess you can say, of uh, me becoming part of the Metro Jets Hockey Club for this season. 
and we got it nailed down right before the national championships. And uh, here we are. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of one of the most successful junior hockey programs in the country with the Metro Jets. And they do it so well. And, and Matt, I, I love that story just about kind of us getting to work together. First of all, that was one of my favorite days of broadcasting. We got a chance to work with you. We went back and forth. We're playing a little volleyball action in the broadcast booth. And it made me feel like we were going back to old school radio, right? When you'd have it, you'd have the first three innings called by one play-by-play guy, the next three by the other, and you'd go back to your closer for the seventh through the ninth. It, it's that old school vibe of just sharing the booth of understanding. And it's something that, that I've, I've really, we've been privileged to, to work with you, Matt, and to see your teamwork, your team effort in this industry. And you're another guy that's it's kind of on the ladder with the same mindset we have of if we get to the next level, let's pull that ladder down and, and let's get the next guy there. And we, we love working with you. Can you talk a little bit about though, you know, how'd you get started in broadcasting? Were you like me where you just you had to hear yourself talk more and you wanted people to be quiet or were you a guy that it just kind of, it just kind of happened by happenstance. How'd you get into broadcasting? Well, it's going to go back a little bit. Uh, back in 1989, I was on the safety crew up at Dixie Motor Speedway up in Birch Run, Michigan. Um, I, my heroes weren't your typical um, drivers per se. They were broadcasters. They were announcers. And um, I always wanted to be an announcer. I, I, I was that kid that would have about 20 Hot Wheels cars on his dining room table, and I'm calling the race, you know, when I was a kid. And um, one, it was Labor Day weekend, 1989, the regular track announcer up at, um, up at Dixie Motor Speedway couldn't make it for, some, for whatever reason. And the owners of the track says, well, Matt, um, this is your opportunity. So here I am at 15 years old calling a race for the first time in my life. And um, I guess I did okay because they told the guy to not bother coming back. So um, I, I end up, that's when I started. It was September 3rd, 1989 um, in motorsports. And it kind of evolved from there. I've had, the, I've had the honor and the privilege to travel all over the country, call just about every major short track race in the country. Um, from as far, you know, far south as Florida, as far north, obviously, as Michigan, uh, all the way out east into, into New York and stuff and all the way out west of California. Um, it's it's been a wild ride, to say the least. Um, and I'm one of the fortunate few in my industry that do this for a living. I don't have a nine to five job. I don't sit in a cubicle on race to, uh, on during the week. I sit here in my in my dining room in front of my laptop and I'm I'm working. This, this is my job, whether it's on um, motorsports or coming up pretty darn soon, um, Metro Jets hockey. And Matt, you're going to have to call my family and explain that to them because I've taken on this role now full time and they were used to me. I'm on calls with with important business folks in the MLB and NHL front offices on these crazy phone calls while we're on family vacations. Last time I'm home, I'm taking notes and I'm making TikToks and my mom looks at me. She's like, I, what's going on here? You, you get, you're getting paid, right? You can eat. And I'm like, I promise we're going to be okay. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it, I, I'll be the first to admit it. The first probably 10 or so years, it was a bit of a struggle, you know, and then uh, it was about 2004. I made the commitment to do this full time. I mean, and I, I tell you, there's, there's a lot of nights there where I'm eating chicken noodle soup for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, and drinking lots and lots of water. Couldn't afford a Coca-Cola, you know, but it, it, it's, it's become all worth it in the end. And I'm, I'm, I, again, I, I say, um, I say this as a, bro, 
a broken record. You know, I'm, I'm so honored and privileged to be able to do what I love for a living. And it's with the two sports I love the most, motorsports and hockey. Yeah, and, and you look at it, and for our young broadcasters at home, we get listened to a lot by, by, by young folks that want to get into broadcasting. They want to get behind a mic. They want to do this. And, and it can be a pretty battering business, right? I mean, it's, it's tough to find the money at the lower levels. It's tough to work your way up the ladder financially. A lot of times we're working two, three, four jobs. I mean, I, I, when I got started, Matt, you told me your story, and I was sitting here thinking of, of myself working 100 to 120 hour weeks, sleeping three, four hours a night. And, you know, just to, just to work enough to put the money together to get on a road and go call games and do what you love, it can be difficult. But our broadcasters, what I want you to understand, it's similar to how you see these stories in minor league baseball or minor league hockey, where somebody finally makes that step after 10 years in the minors, 12 years. Why is that such a, a, a seldomly heard story it's because we get battered at the bottom of the ladder and we leave, right? And sticking with that dream, sticking through it, finding a team of folks that can, that can help you build your network, build that, that brand, that resume, and work your way through this thing. It's a team effort. There's so many bodies that we, we step on shoulders, we get lifted up, we get carried to the top of this broadcasting industry. Now, Matt, we look at this and, and you know, you get into hockey, folks at home we, we we have a lot of a lot of listeners when it comes to hockey that want to chirp the pierres of the world we have listeners when it comes to pro sports that want to chirp the joe bucks of the world and all these folks and say they're biased or they're, they're not doing a good enough job or it's not this or it's not that talk to me you get on the mic coming out of motorsports you jump on the mic you're at that freezing cold rink for the first time what goes through your head when puck drops how fast is that game moving Oh, it, it's, it was awfully quick. I, I remember vividly the very first hockey game I ever called for the Columbus Mavericks, which was the inaugural game against the Toledo Cherokee. And um, fu one funny thing is we had mic problems in the first period, so you can barely hear me in the broadcast. <laughs> but, um, but the thing was, you know, it, and I think motorsports helped me tremendously with how fast that is. Hockey is, is the fastest sport in the world, you know. I mean – and it, it helped tremendously to be able to keep up with things. And luckily for, and I think, I believe this in my heart, I've been, a re this will be my 29th year of being a referee. Being a referee as well on the side has really helped the broadcasting end of hockey. Now, now Matt, I want to kind of turn things, before we get back to broadcasting, I could, I'll dig into broadcasting more because I love this topic. I want to turn it to, what you've seen at the Metro with the Metro Jets so far getting ready for this season, right? I want to talk about you've seen the training camp. You've seen what Coach Q's walking their boys through. How's the team shaping up right now? How are things looking for the 21-22 campaign? Well, I'll tell you, both clubs, they, they're coming into the 21-22 season with kind of a chip on their shoulder, which could be bad news for, for a lot of teams in the USPHL. As you know, the Metro Jets, the regular season champions from last year, go to the national championships there at, um, in Hampton Roads, and it wasn't a great showing, to be honest. And the the, the returning players, you know, guys like uh, Christian Adragna, uh, Matt Cole, uh, guys, you know, Ryan Messing, the guys that are leading the way for the Metro Jets, they're coming in armed and ready, ready to go. You know, they're, they're, they weren't happy with what happened back in March in Hampton Roads. And they, 
there's nothing less than a championship is what the Metro Jets and MJDP are after as well. You know, MJDP, the, the reigning Midwest East Division champions, they've got a tough road to hoe, you know, against the, the teams like the Chicago Cougars, you know, and teams like that in the Med- Midwest East. And the Metro Jets, that they know that's going to be a tough Great Lakes division. They got to get through that first, you know. I mean, the Toledo Cherokee are always going to be tough. I'm really excited to see the new Cincinnati Junior Cyclones team, which teams have inherited half of the Hudson Havoc from a year ago. Um, the Columbus Mavericks are going to be strong as well. Um, but the Jets know the first things first. They got to get through their division. They got to get through these showcases. But the end goal, of course, is the 21-22 national championships. Now, Matt, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about that. Obviously, we've gone into the fact that, you know, you have done a couple of different sports and it, and it feels like you have an ability to just kind of to, to do almost anything. It seems like you have that, that command of the cadence and, and you have the ability to really dive into a sport. Is it, is it fair to even ask you if you have a, a sport that you enjoy calling for whatever reason, not that a sport is particularly better? Do you have a sport that you gravitate towards or something that you enjoy calling for whatever reason? Well, I think I think it kind of goes along with the seasons. Um, spring and summer, I'm I'm 100% full bore into motorsports, the auto and the stock car racing. But come fall and winter, this is this is that transition time right now. I only got a couple more races left in the season, and then my wife and I, and my daughter, we're going to go on vacation. When we come back, it's all hockey for the fall and winter. Um, I don't. I guess, I guess, again, I guess it depends on what time of year it is, you know, uh, but I enjoy both tremendously. I just, I, I, I think back now and I wish I would have gotten to hockey broadcasting a lot sooner. I mean, I'm, I'm an old man by all your standards. I'm 47 years old. I'm probably one of the oldest broadcasters in the USPHL. Um, I got a late start in this. I would love nothing more though than to, just like a player, just like a driver that wants to advance up the ranks. I'd love nothing more than have that shot in the pros, whether it's ECHL, the AHL, or eventually the NHL. I know my age is kind of against me in that regard, but you never know. Things, things could happen. I'll tell you what, I, there is, there is no such thing as an age anymore. It feels like, I mean, you know, whether you start young or, or whether you, you start a little bit later, there is uh we say age is just a number, but I think Dan and I would just say that to distract from the fact that our backs feel like they're 106. <laughs> uh, but so what's interesting, I think, too, is, is when you have these multiple sports, there, is there a moment where you have to prepare to make that switch? I know usually my first game of the year when I'm doing color commentary, I usually snap back into it and you kind of go, oh, my gosh, I'm, this, is a, you know, this is now hockey broadcasting. Do you have a moment where you – you kind of have to snap back into, oh, we're doing hockey now. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, absolutely. I can I can tell you both both home openers. Um, for the first two years of the Columbus Mavericks, I've um, I have announced a penalty. Um, so and so car number. I'm like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> I've, I've done that, you know, and um, and the same thing in the ra- in racing. You know, the first couple broadcasts, I'll st- I'll still un- unknowingly throw in hockey terms, you know. You know, just the, the first couple of broadcasts. It takes a couple. It takes a couple, probably a couple of games to get, or a couple of races in, in each case, to get back into that, into that cadence, into that mindset of what sport is in front of you. I think you might have to add a promotional director now because I think there's an idea there. There's an idea. You dress up a couple of skaters like race cars and you make them race around the ice, and then you can combine the NASCAR commentary in with the hockey. I think there might be something there. 
I think it'd be a great idea, you know, in between the in between periods at Metro Jets games to have have um, fans in like cardboard race cars and race around the ring for one one lap. I'd be in heaven. Oh my gosh! Write that. Somebody write that down. Dan, write that down. I'm on it. I'm already taking notes. I've got this. I think that's where you go. And you look at the NHL jerseys that they got going on now. They're putting more logos on it. They're going to look like a NASCAR suit. That's basically how this is going to be. They're going to be in the jumpsuits ready to go. And I, I got to tell you, I'll jump in here with Lucas touring around Cooperstown right now. You, Matt, we talk about this USPHL season. Lucas and I, every year, we do our way too early predictions. And this year, well, last year, let's start there, because I always like to, to talk about my wins first. You know, last year, in our way too early predictions, no games played yet. I said the Rush were going to double dip. I said the Hitmen were going to win the NCDC championship. I went three for three before anybody dropped a puck. You're sitting here right now. You've gathered this knowledge over your last couple of years here with the Columbus Mavericks, now with the Metro Jets, seeing this Great Lakes division. Do you have a way too early prediction for the Great Lakes division? Maybe something that we should be looking out for? Maybe something that you would expect to see come the end of the year? Well, the Great Lakes Division is going to be really tough, you know, and it starts with the Metro Jets, the four-time defending Great Lakes Division champions in the USPHL. Uh, Q wanted, wanted me to remind everyone that they're actually the seven-time defending champions when you revert back to the NA3HL. They, they won the last three Great Lakes Division championships there, and coming into the USPHL prior, they won the NA3HL National Championship before moving to the USPHL. But uh, the Metro Jets are going to be tough. Um, the Toledo Cherokee are always going to be tough. Um, that's a great, that's a nice little rivalry between the Jets and the Cherokee. Um, Toledo is going to be, they're going to be big. They're going to be physical. They're going to be tough to beat. And like I said um, earlier, you're going to want to keep an eye on the Cincinnati Junior Cyclones. They've got a really strong team. I said, I think half their team is the old from the, from the Hudson Havoc from a year ago. They picked up a, a three former Columbus Mavericks as well. Um, they're going to be really strong. Columbus is going to be good. Obviously, um, Pittsburgh is always tough. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Lake Erie and Worcester do. But I think in your way too early predictions is going to come down between, um, I believe, between Metro, Toledo, and Cincinnati. Okay. I like, and I like that Cincinnati pick the, the work they're doing out there. They've got some havoc guys that have come in Hudson. Obviously we've seen the success that Brett Wall has had building an absolute juggernaut in the Midwest West, one of the toughest divisions in the country. This great lakes division is growing every year and you've seen it. You talk about that move from the NA three. I mean, what a promotion for the Metro jets, right? They come into this great lakes division and they start to see the talent that is in the best tier three league in all the land, the USPHL premier. And, and, they get up. I still remember their first year in the league, that championship matchup with the Wizard of Osmondson, the Monk Man, the, the Hampton Roads Whalers with Rocket Rod Taylor behind the bench, Justin Quenville for the Metro Jets. It was a showdown, and it showed just how good this Metro Jets team was. They couldn't take it to Hampton Roads this year, and I know they took that personally. You talked about taking it personally. We talked about the Michael Jordan documentary all the time not just learning how to succeed, but learning how to win. And that's what Coach Q does so well. You talk about it. You're bouncing back from a year. We're going to call it a down year for Metro, which is insanity, right? You send two teams to the bigs. You send two teams to nationals. You, you are running three programs last year. You come out. You, you put together one of the best seasons on the planet. You win the Great Lakes Division. 
and they were unhappy with the result, right? Obviously happy for the boys who moved on, but they felt like they could do more. Matt, what's it? What's that type of culture like from the broadcaster perspective, right? Where where two one might not be good enough even in a W. What's that? What's that going to be like calling games in that structure? There, one thing I've learned with uh, with Coach Q is that there is there is a process, there is an end goal to everything. Everything is done for a reason. There is no wasted time doing anything. Obviously, the end goal is to get back to the 2022 national championships. And that anything less is, you know, it, it's just it's it's not kosher. You know what I mean? Yep. And that goes for both teams is. But especially for the natural Jets in the Great Lakes Division. I mean, the, the they win the regular season championship last year. They roll they roll through, you know, the, the playoffs, get into the national championships and then for lack of better terminology, laid an egg in Hampton Roads. So, again, the, the Jets are coming into this season with a pretty big chip on their shoulders, and that could spell trouble for a lot of teams going through this regular season. Yeah, and they can grind you out. They can win a game fast. They can, they can speed with you. They can, they, can, they can pound. They can ground and pound it. They get the net minding. And, and that goaltender training, in Metro might just be the best on the planet. I mean, you look at the coaching staff there, you look at what they do day in and day out. You can outplay them. They could have a bad day on ice and they can still beat you with the guys that they put in the net. You look at the past, you look at the, the Marcus Turners taking it to, to the Marcus Turner overdrive. You talk about the, the William Augustines of the world. You know, I am William Augustine. You look at these squads that they put out there on ice. What... Uh, what do you expect from the netminders this year? What are we seeing in that? How have they look this as training's been going on? I mean, you can't go wrong with probably the best goaltending tandem in the USPHL with Will Augustine and Louis Pierre Fortier. I mean, and and oh, by the way, Danny Miscavish as well, who's one of the best <laughs> goaltenders statistically in the country in the USPHL. Um, the goaltending is solid, and I I I would easily put them up against any other team in the USPHL. And I, I have a good feeling, suspicion, a good feeling that the Metro Jets could come out on top as far mm -hmm. as, you know, the, the goaltending tandem, as far as that goes. I mean, and it's, and it starts back there. You know, you know, as well as I do, Dan, that championships start with great goaltending, great defense, and then great offense. No, but it all starts between the pipes. And you look at it, I mean, there's a reason why Connor Hellebuck's working out with the crew there, right? There's a reason why these big names work alongside a lot of the, the folks behind the scenes with Metro. And, and you see, I mean, how do I forget Louis-Pierre Fortier, the, the French wall, or you forget about Daniel Miscavish, he's misbehaving between the pipes. It's nonstop. You're going to deal with it at the MJDP squad. You're going to deal with it with Metro every day. Week in and week out, it is going to be a grind just to put pucks in the back of the net. But let's turn let's turn back to, to being Dan K broadcaster nerd here, okay? Because I got to start with this. We in passing, you somehow it it it, it spread to me the the NASCAR bug, the, the motorsports bug. It just I don't know what it was, but I had been out of watching motorsports for about a decade, I would say. I mean, I was I since the Rainbow Warrior. And, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. were racing around the tracks. I mean, had been out of it. And I got back in the last two years big time. 
I've got this whole thing going on on NASCAR Heat 5. I'm going to have to start uh, streaming myself playing the game because I've turned into a little bit of a road warrior. You can't beat me at the Glen. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, your, your love of motorsports. You look at this. What, what is it for a hockey fan at home that might need something to do in the summer, something to watch? What would be your sell on the motorsports world? Why should they be turning to their local short track? Why should they be showing up for an event nearby their home and to, to take in a race or, or get into this motorsports world? Well, number one reason by a mile is there, there's nothing like your weekly short track and wherever you're located. You know, there's nothing like the sights, the sounds, the smells, and the noise, you know, of – 20 combatants going at it, you know, for a hundred laps on a quarter mile, let's say, you know, there's, there's just something special about these, you know, I don't want to use the cliche, but these gladiators just battling out, bumping it out, you know, bumping and grinding, you know, racing towards a checkered flag. It's, it's something I've been involved in since I was, uh, since I was a very little kid. Um, my dad would take me to races um, up in Michigan, uh, you know, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays, and then do a double header on Sundays. And we would repeat that all summer long. And that's what um, kind of made me, made my love for motorsports grow. And I was, a, I was fortunate enough to, you know, to jump into the broadcasting side of it. And this is, I will be completing my 32nd year of doing that. Um, there's, you have to take in a race and, you know, not only in short tracks, but if you ever get to a NASCAR race, TV is great. No question about it. But there's nothing like going to a race live it's, and a NASCAR race, especially, you know, I, you guys are over there in New Jersey. I think you got Watkins Glen is probably your closest racetrack or Dover, I believe, is yeah, probably Poconos close well. to you guys. Oh, Poconos. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, oh, yeah, the, the tricky triangle. People always forget we've got the tricky triangle there. We've got Dover. We've got the Glen. There's a lot going on. I mean. The town that Lucas and I are, are from originally, it's the home of Martin Truex Jr., NASCAR champion. I mean, I remember being in high school when he won the championship and uh, when he was in the championship and he drove the car in into the lot on the back of a trailer and he revved up that engine for a second. It was absolutely incredible. And you look at it, I mean, as, as, this, as this sport continues to grow, it's, it's kind of hand in hand with hockey. We've seen a rebirth in the motorsports world of late. And, and a lot of that came from every league stopping during COVID-19, right? And NASCAR was the first thing back on the television. That's what got me tuning in. It's what got me there with my weekly viewing with those Wednesday night races they were hosting. Can you talk to me a little bit about, I, I just humor me. I mean, we got the next gen car coming in and, and we've got guys kind of working through this season with the old stock car, Kyle Larson seems to be unbeatable at this point, but, but Denny's, Denny's hot in his tail. Can we talk about what are your thoughts on this next-gen car? I mean, what should I be learning about? What should I be figuring out? What's this thing going to look like? Well, the biggest thing with the next-gen car that's coming into the NASCAR Cup Series uh, next in 2022, it's going to bring the top teams and the bottom teams a lot closer together. You're still going to have the top talent, the top drivers that are going to stay the cream of the crop, if you will. But this next-gen car, at least in theory, is going to bring those teams that are, for whatever reason, they're 25th on back. It's going to bring them a lot closer to the Martin Truex Juniors, to, you know, the Alex Bowmans, the Kyle Larsons, you know, the Denny Hamlins, the Kevin Harvicks. It's going to give them, you know, what you see it at Daytona and Talladega where pretty much 
everyone has a shot to win, no matter what, just because of the, of the logistics of the racetrack, the layout, if you will. Yeah. This next-gen car will bring that idea to every racetrack. So a guy like, you know, Michael McDowell, who won the Daytona 500, and he's in the playoffs, but after the Daytona 500, his season hasn't been the greatest. But now with this next-gen car, Michael McDowell is going to be running you know, door to door with guys like Kevin Harvick every single week. And I think that's, that's the allure, if you will, of the next gen car It's going to bring the, the guys towards the bottom of the field, a lot closer to the guys towards the top. And that's, that's exciting for me. I mean, the, the, the only thing that I've had trouble really buying in on are some of these mile and a half where guys are running away with it, right? Where you're winning by five, six seconds and it's all about pitch strategy at the end. And if you just pull it off, you've got the win in hand. I, I'm excited to see it. I, if, if you're talking closer races, that's what I'm all about. The end of Daytona, Lucas and I, we had a little outdoor watch party for the Daytona 500 this year. Oh, yeah. And when, McDow- when McDowell took the boys out in front, that was – Lucas, I know you were just – me and you may have had – we had some skin in the race, Lucas. We were, we were rooting. We, <laughs> we loved Logano. We loved Kez, and they were in great position. We, Dan, we, we loved a lot during that race. And then we, uh, we, the love was not re- returned at all. It was not reciprocated by the end of that race, but it was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was fun to be invested. I mean, like Dan, I, I picked it up as a result of the pandemic too. And a lot of NASCAR heat five. And, you know, after, after that, and through that whole experience, it just, it's a lot of fun to watch. I'm a huge fan of it. And, and I'm actually kind of excited for these next gen cars. I mean, Matt, do you think that the next-gen cars are a result of more people picking up the sport, that this is maybe something that's been in the works for a while, but something that they've really tried to spearhead with fresh new fans? I think what it is is um, the, you, it's trying to bring, like we talked about before, trying to bring the teams a little closer together. Um, no matter what, I mean, talent's going to win out in the end. No matter what, you can put them all on big wheels, and, and the talent is going to win out at the end. The cream will rise to the top. But the next gen cars is going to give those guys that normally may not have a chance or may not have the funding or may not have the resources to compete with guys like Harvick and Keselowski and, you know, guys like that. This gives them a chance and it gives, you know, the guy that you want, you know, is good, but just doesn't have those resources or doesn't have that um, the competitive team to compete. The, the next gen, the idea, at least in theory is to bring everybody closer together. You know, it's basically, it's, if you guys remember the old IROC series where the, the cars were identically prepared and you race, the winner is going gonna, is gonna to be the most talented. And that's, the, that's the, pretty much the whole idea behind the next-gen car because at the end of the day, talent does win out over money and all that other stuff. And a tie in the hockey, you almost see this, you, you, heard, you heard the world of the, the rise of the rat, right? When when we kind of pushed the enforcer out of the game at the highest levels and and allowed more of this small skill, Matt Zuccarello type, the, the, the Brad Marchand type to really have the space to create, make the game faster, make it more even, you know, give those guys a chance to compete without a Donald Brashear running them off the rink. It's, it's a very interesting kind of to juxtapose there with the hockey world as, as we've created NASCAR is creating this opportunity for everyone to compete on the same, the same level playing field. Hockey's done the same. And now I want to talk about the broadcast booth. I, I prepped you for this one beforehand. It's a question we ask every one of our broadcasters who hop on. 
I talk about broadcaster Mount Rushmore. Obviously, there's a million guys you could pick from. But for me, you, you see the flashy suits. You hear the, the, the loud yells, the screams, the goal calls you. The John Sterling of the Yankees radio crew with the, the badgering the, the witness no, badgering the goaltender yes on a goal score. You hear the, the Dick Vitale, it's awesome, baby, it's going to be crazy out here. I got a little bit of Dick Vitale, the John Madden, boom, you know. It's, for me, it was always the guys that brought that extra flair to the game mixed with the the Harry Callis of the Philadelphia Phillies. That's a deep drive to left center field. Out of here, home run. And and you build, your, you realize that all these folks you listen to, who you love to hear, who you love to listen to present a game, build who you are. And Lucas and I are almost a backwards broadcast crew. He's the straight guy as the color commentator. And I'm the loony bin sitting there on the play-by-play screaming and yelling. Matt, for you, as you think through your, your four guys, your Mount Rushmore, the guys who would be there for what make Matt Preer a broadcaster, what got you there, who are those, those folks that did that for you? Well, mine, mine are going to be a little different uh, because of, of being exposed to so many different sports, you know, and, and being, being, part of, being part of the motorsports and hockey broadcasting industry. But uh, one name immediately comes to mind to me is one of my heroes is the former radio play-by-play voice of the Detroit Red Wings, Bruce Martin. Um, he was just a joy to listen to when I was a kid. You know, back then the Red Wing games weren't always on TV. So Bruce Martin was was that guy that, you know, he he brought he brought the Red Wings home to me, if that makes any sense. And um and since after once Bruce Martin retired, then it became Ken Cal. I'm always I'm, I'm the current Red, Detroit Red Wings radio play-by-play voice. Um, I'm I'm I, I've done radio, I've done TV, but to me, radio just has that special special oomph to it. You know what I mean? It 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 uses your imagination, if you will. You know, you can imagine, you can sit there and listen to Ken Cal call the Red Wings broadcast, and you can. And you can visually see in your mind exactly what he is describing. And to me, that is a perfect radio broadcaster. Bruce Martin did it for the Red Wings, and now Ken Cal does it for the Red Wings. You know, back and I have I have another one that may throw you off a little bit. the The Golden Voice, the Detroit Tigers, Ernie Harwell, was another guy. I was a huge baseball fan when I was a kid. I played catcher in high school. Um, Ernie Harwell was a a, just a wonderful voice to listen to, you know, and he, and, and a lot of my guys, a lot of my Mount, my Mount Rushmore is going to be Michigan based <laughs> and for, <laughs> for obvious reasons, you know, growing up as a kid, but there is one more, you know, and it, it's going to go to motorsports. And that's Barney Hall um, of the, the longtime voice of the motor racing network um, with broadcasting the NASCAR races. He, just, just like with Bruce Martin, just like with Ken Cal, just like with Ernie Harwell, you, you can you can close your eyes and you can listen to them describe what is going on, and you can visually see that in your mind. And I gotta add a fifth in there because only because I have a personal story with them, and that's that's Doc Emmerich. Um, oh, Doc Emmerich, um, I, I had the privilege of meeting him several years ago. And he's, he talked to me like I was his best friend for 20 minutes. And it's something I'll, I'll never forget in my lifetime. And when, and I, when I got the Columbus Mavericks job, actually, um, I, I'm, 
I found his email address <laughs> and I sent him, I sent him a, a, an email, um, Mr. Emmerich, you know, I just want to let you know, I finally, I, I talked to you, you know, 20 years ago and I finally got that job in, in the, in the hockey industry. He emailed me back within five minutes and, you know, the best of luck to you. If anything is anything you need, you give me a call and he gave me his personal cell number. And it was just, it was just unbelievable, unbelievable. And every now and then I will still, you know, shoot an, e shoot him an email, you know, just saying things are going great. I have a question about this. And every time within five, 10 minutes, he'll send me a long diatribe of what of some of his experience and how he got through those. So I, instead of four, I've got five. That is absolutely incredible. And, you know, they were supposed to put a fifth eventually. They never did. So honestly, keeping historically, you've just built the fifth. And I think the real Mount Rushmore should also have Doc Emmerich on it. I, I'm a firm believer in that. We don't need them all to be presidents. Throw Doc Emmerich up there. I got my Doc Emmerich stories much simpler than that one. That's absolutely incredible. But I was I, I went and worked the the stadium series in my, my past position at, at, in Pittsburgh at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers Stadium outdoor game. Penguins taking on a Caps, bunch of clients and everything. I got I got asked to go on this this trip last second, so I have to jump on a plane from Newark to Pittsburgh. I'm thinking nice short jump, little hop skip, like a pebble thrown out of the air. Instead, we take off over the loudspeaker. Pilot says, "You guys are we're the last planes to take off. Keep your seatbelts on. It's going to be very extremely bumpy. We get struck by lightning. We're bouncing around the sky. We got no power. We're kind of just a hang glider coming down, which I found out later from Lucas and I's mutual friend who works in the airline industry. And I looked to the flight attendant to say, hey, I hate flying. They're always calm. She's going to be calm. She is absolutely in tears. So I had the worst flight in. Go take in the game. I'm sweating. I'm all over the place. We finally finish it out. I get about two hours of sleep in my hotel. I'm on a 6 a.m. flight the next morning. I get to get my cup of coffee because I need it. And I go to order in the Pittsburgh airport, order my coffee, and I hear a voice behind me as I'm putting milk in my coffee at the, at the desk. And, and I hear, I'll take a sugar with cream in my coffee. And I, and I knew it was Doc immediately. The voice is just, even at 6 a.m., it's better than anything I'll ever do. And I, I turned and I must've looked at him. I must've looked at him like I was a kid meeting Santa on Christmas, man. It was <laughs> His eyes looked at me and he's, he's, he's dog tired as well, obviously. He just called a game the night before. And he goes, young man, Doc, pleasure to meet you. And I just shook his hand. I was like, thank you so much. I'll broadcast well. I got about 90 things in in 20 seconds. I had to run to my flight. And I still remember that moment, just the, the acceptance of, of who you are, right? And, and he is somebody who I think for all the folks out there in, in broadcast media, all the folks with a large following, all the folks that are successful at anything they do, there's, there has to be an understanding of the importance behind our, our brand and who we are and, and accepting the responsibility that comes with it. And there's nobody at any level of any job of any place in any industry who understands that better than Mike Emmerich. And, and he is an absolute hero of mine as well. Matt, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, and you look at it, you talk about the local flair. That's what this is, right? We get built by what's around us. I, I grew up, I could only listen to Phillies games for a few years before Yes Network launched with the Yankees. And I was a Yankee fan listening to Harry Callis every night. I, I grew up listening to, to the local Rangers broadcast. You know, Kenny Albert would jump on once in a while or Sam Rosen. And I, my power play is stolen from Rose. You know, it from Rosen's, it's a power play goal. That Like that call, that cadence, that's what I, you, you grow up, 
in in your local broadcast industry. And, and even when we don't want to be a broadcaster, I don't think we always realize how influenced we get from broadcasters if we're a sports fan. And, it, and it's it's great to see. I mean, just how fun for, for anybody thinking about getting into broadcasting, Matt, for anybody who you talk about getting into hockey later than you wanted to, maybe a broadcaster is working in a different in a different avenue right now. Sell them on it. Why? Why should they jump into this hockey world? Just how fun is it being a broadcaster every day? Well, number one, you have the best seat in the house. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> and to me, it's it's always so much fun. It's such a privilege to describe what I'm seeing in front of me. Um, I mean, I think I think you can agree, Dan, that we're just fans that happen to have pretty darn good seats and a microphone, you know, and I mean, going back to what you were saying about your power play call, um, my goal call is absolutely stolen from Ken Cal. You know, skates over across the ice, shoots, he scores! That's, that's Ken Cal all the way. I mean, yep. I, I, I have no shame in admitting I stole that from Ken. <laughs> but, um, but no, we have the best seats in the house. There's no question about it. We are fans of the sport, whether it's hockey, whether it's motorsports or whatever the case may be. We just happen to have a microphone and in my broadcasting style, whether it's racing or hockey, I'm describing kind of, if I, if I was a fan sitting in the, in the stands, I'm describing, I think what I would want to know if I was listening to the broadcast. I absolutely love it. Matt, we we're getting to the closing point here. We're getting to our parting words, but I got to tell you, we're all pretty free now when we get to the spring and summer and, and NASCAR's around. Well, I might be bothering you about trying to put together a Dan K show presents NASCAR podcast. Lucas jumped off because he's running around Cooperstown, New York right now. So he can't say no. And, and he's got a <laughs> head in there. So, I mean, we can lock that in now, but no, seriously, I, as I've kind of grown that love for that sport, I thank you for it because your passion is what brought my passion into that, into the motorsports world. And has gotten me watching the series put together by Tony Stewart this year with all the legends racing around the track and, seeing some of those local short tracks on TV. It's just, it's such an incredible opportunity to, to, to watch something that's different, right? Watch a sport outside our comfort zone. So often we get stuck in watching, I played baseball, so I watch baseball and I don't like anything else. I mean, for me, my sports fandom, since I've gotten out of playing and since I've gotten off the field has become, what can I do? Let's watch that. Hockey's one of those things where, I can't play to the level that these guys at Metro or around the USPHL can play uh, NASCAR something where I couldn't get behind a wheel and do what they do. I, I'd be shaking in my boots, driving 60 miles per hour, like Ricky Bobby. And you look at, you look at premier league soccer. I've gotten into or football. It's watch the things you can't do and start to understand. We do it every four years for the Olympics. Let's do that all the time. I urge people to turn on a broadcast Matt, for the short track racing, can you let folks that know how they can watch a Matt Preer broadcast and where they might be able to find you? Well, um, funny enough, I mean, I've got two races this weekend and I've got one more after that and that's it. But um, um, uh, on Friday, we have a, over at Corgan Hall Speedway in Mason, Michigan, we have a, what is called a night of destruction show. But basically, we just tear stuff up. Um, <laughs> it's it's a school bus figure eight racing, figure eight trailer racing. I mean, it's anything you can think of at your county fair, 
we do it at oval track and uh the, sc- the school bus figure eights are pretty darn exciting uh where you're it's especially in the at the if you've ever been seen a figure eight race um it, we we use, we do school buses with it and to see school buses at the intersection and if they hit my god you can feel it in the stands i mean it's it's amazing and uh the figure eight trailer races for example the object of those of those races is to knock off your opponent's trailer by any means necessary so you can imagine how chaotic that would be but you can watch that on corganallspeedway.tv um the race i have on saturday up at uh, kinross um, speed park in kinross michigan up in michigan's upper peninsula there's no uh, broadcast for that um, my final race is on October 16th down at the legendary high banks of Winchester Speedway in Winchester, Indiana, part of the 50th Lucas Oil Winchester 400 weekend. You can watch that on MAF TV. Um, and that's and luckily the Met- both both Metro Jets hockey teams are on the road that weekend, so I can go do one more race. Um, but next year, yeah, CorganOldSpeedway.tv is going to be their, your main source. And um, really excited about um, – finishing up the racing season this year and jumping into full-fledged Metro Jets hockey with both Metro Jets and MJDP on HockeyTV.com. It is going to be incredible. Matt Prier coming to a rink near you. I cannot wait to see it. We go to our parting words, how we close out each and every podcast this week. And Lucas has run away from us. Cooperstown is apparently cooler than us. And he's enjoying himself in upstate New York and having some fun. So he's going to owe us dinner at the Chicago Showcase for this. This is, but it's okay. I've given him a new job. He's going to be. He's got a new podcast to edit come summer. So, so that's fine. But Matt, we go to you. Your parting words for today's show for the folks at home. Uh, just a, a big thank you uh, one, once again for the wonderful opportunity uh, for the with the Metro Jets Hockey Club. Uh, Justin Kenville, the entire management and staff. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be now the voice of not one but two teams within the Metro Jets uh, Hockey Club, uh, one of the premier junior clubs in the in the country, in the USPHL. Um, looking forward to it. Um, funny enough, the Metro Jets' first game is on the road against the Columbus Mavericks on Friday, September 24th. I'll be in attendance for that. It's going to be a little different wearing the blue and red of the Metro Jets in Columbus, but um, certainly looking forward to that. Um, the first home game at the new home arena for the Metro Jets Hockey Club is on Friday, October 1st. MJDP will take on Motor City Hockey Club. And the, and the home opener for the Metro Jets will be on Saturday, October 9th, head-to-head with the Toledo Cherokee. You can watch all the home games, as you know, Dan, on HockeyTV.com. Hockey TV, your home for USPHL hockey. I can't wait. I'll be tuning in. I'll be watching. I'll be fired up. My parting words, they always go with our guest each week. And, and this week is, you know, the path to success is never easy. That's what I want to say. Because you look at someone like Matt, right, and you see the hard work, the sacrifice that goes into being a broadcaster full time. And that can go to our young hockey player in the same world as, as being a, a hockey player full time. If you want to be a Division One hockey player, if you want to be a professional one day, You have to understand the percentages are not in your favor. And we look at it and we sometimes say the mountain's too high to climb. Well, here is someone in front of you today, our young broadcasters listening, our young hockey players listening, our parents and fans listening. That has climbed that mountain no matter how tough it was. Blizzards, snowstorms, rain, landslides, whatever it took 
to get to where he is today. He did it. He worked as a team with those around him and built a community that has allowed this broadcasting dream to come true. We ask you guys to do the same thing on the ice. Teamwork makes that dream work. There's no I in team. It's been an absolute honor talking with you today, Matt. We are excited to listen in on Hockey TV. We thank our sponsors, Remastered Sleep. Fight snoring with just a sip. It's a darn water bottle. If you've not gotten it yet and you're snoring or your partner snoring or maybe your billet brother won't stop gosh darn snoring. Well, guess what? You got a water bottle. Go to remasteredsleep.com, Dan K Show 10, Dan K Show 10 at checkout as your coupon code. You get 10% off all your order at remasteredsleep.com. We thank Elite Junior Profiles. We talked about NASCAR a lot today. Lucas doesn't know that I've already guaranteed us a new podcast job in the summer that we're going to create, and he's going to have to do all the work for, but that's what happens when you leave. And we talk about this one. Put the NASCAR wrapping on your recruiting profile, EliteJRProfiles.com. The great folks at Elite Junior Profiles are there to take your reputation, your resume, your play to the next level and get you in front of coaches across the hockey land, not just for your hockey player, you can sign up all of your athletes in the house as well, especially those high school athletes trying to find those college coaches around the country. Get to EliteGRProfiles.com and get your disc enhanced profile today. USPHL, I mean, best league in all the land, best brand in junior hockey, best brand on the planet. To the moon, you can go to USPHL.com to learn more about the United States Premier Hockey League, geographically the largest league in all the land and the best in our point of view. You can find out more about the TSCHL, proud sponsors, the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League. That's ACHA hockey. You know, not a big deal, Ohio State Buckeyes. You got Miami, Ohio. You got University of Michigan. And one of my personal favorites, Go Cats, the University of Kentucky, who joined in against University of Louisville. Go Cards as well. Don't want to alienate a fan base. It is a great time. Go to TSCHL.com to find out more. And then we just talked about the Dan K Show at the underscore Dan K Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as TikTok. Go to TikTok, follow us. We need followers. We're not dancing for no one. We want to entertain you. Dan K Show, that's at the underscore Dan K Show. You can also go to dankshow.com to contact us and talk to the hosts. Matt Prier, our incredible guest this week. And we take a breather and remind you that when Dan K is on the mic, it's always Hockey Night.